0: The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church: Good morning, everybody. So glad you are here. and uh, my wife and I last week, Heather and I were driving uh, Heather 's mom back to Springfield, Missouri, which I pronounce misery, but anyway, same difference. Um, no, we, we drove her back there, uh, that's where she lives, and so took some time, a little road trip to do that. And then we flew home on Thursday night. Now, how many of you guys would say you have flown on an airplane in the last 20 years? Just raise your hands, you know? So, yeah, probably all of us, and yet we get to Kansas City, we, we check our rental car in, we, we head to the, the the security check at the airport, and there's, there's a, a problem. As we get through security, there's a problem with a backup in, in, in like checking bags through the system. And all of a sudden I see a TSA agent um, pull a knife out of someone's bag. And I'm like, who in the world doesn't know that this is not okay? And he, I, I hear him talking with his TSA agent and, and he proceeds to tell her why it's okay that he has a knife. And she's like, uh, I'm sorry, sir, that's, that's just not the case. You're not allowed to travel with a knife like this. He said, like, no, no, no. I, I read it somewhere. <laughs> so she pulls up, you know, whatever on her phone that says, you know, don't travel with a knife. And I'm not kidding you. First of all, he says, well, can I speak to somebody higher up? And she said, actually, I'm the one in charge. And so that was a great moment. And then right, right about that same moment... Uh, this guy pulls a a tube of toothpaste out of his bag that's like 128 ounces. I'm like, is there a bigger tube of toothpaste out there? Okay, I'm exaggerating, but it was honestly, like it had to, it was huge. I've never seen, uh, I've never used a bigger tube of toothpaste than this guy owned, and he thought it was okay to travel with that too. And so I'm like, what is going on in the world we live in? For 20 years, you're not supposed to have these things as you travel, and he's trying to justify both of these (laughs) items to the agent. And so we're all stuck in insecurity trying to get through. But anyway... Got home Thursday night, and it's always good to get home and sleep in your own um, bed, so glad to be home. We're, we're ending our series today called What's Next, and we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn there. If you're part of a new generation that has a Bible app, that's great as well. You can turn there on your phones. Mark chapter 4 is where we're going to land. And what I want to do today... As we end this series, I want to take you on a little bit of a journey as far as as a church kind of where we've been. Some of you have been part of this journey for the entire 12 years. That's how long I've been in this role and and some of you relatively new or newer to the church, but Twelve years ago, um, as I walked in the doors as the lead pastor of the church, um, it became about looking at where we are as a church back then, two thousand nine, and 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 where we you know the history, what was working, what wasn't working, just looking at the whole system, and then really praying and seeking God about what's next. Then and and it was putting pieces together and crafting vision and, and believing for um, certain things that we, we we had in our hearts to do and trusting God that it would work. And there were plenty of skeptics and people that said, you can't do it this way or not that way. or Don't do this or don't do that. And, and of course, we really felt like prayerfully there were certain steps. It's where back then we, we talked about you know love God, connect with each other, serve all. We talked about the culture of the church and what we wanted to see changed. And the cool thing was, and, and I say this cautiously because I think it sounds a lot like I'm bragging if, if you take this just with that you know there there was a lot of you know anyway um we we crafted the vision and it took a lot of months to put it together and we believed God and prayed over it and 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 you know wanted to see some cool things happen the, the the result was that over the next bunch of years, I'd say you know eight or nine years, we saw some pretty incredible things happen. Um, it was fun to watch life change. It was fun to watch people get connected. We continued to tweak discipleship and improving how we were helping people walk through Scripture together. Um, our Sunday environments. We did some basic remodels of our facility. In fact, if you remember for some of you years ago, this this stage used to go all the way to these pillars, and we were like, man, we just need to create some room, and we don't have millions of dollars. So hey. Let's Let's just move the stage back, open this wall up, and add, you know, like three. We end up adding, I think, three or four rows, which during COVID, that's like a half a row. But anyway, so... But, um, but we did that. We opened up the lobby because it was really just a hallway. Um, we moved our kids' wing. Our most recent remodel a few years back, a couple years back was the, the new kids' wing, the north wing there that we created for our, our Grove Kids ministry and just wanting to, to help kids feel loved and cared for and that Jesus has a plan for their lives. And so um, we did that. And, and, and it was, again, fun to see it happen. We ended up uh, baptizing on average well over 100 people a year, which was really fun. It's really great. I, if you're part of those experiences, to me, there's nothing better than here the stories of life change, watching people go public with their faith. Um, we added gatherings. There was a point where, you know, we ended up doing four gatherings on a Sunday morning, one on a Sunday night. Anybody remember the jingle we came up with for just for people to remember, you know, 8:30, 30, 9, 45, 11, 12, 15, and five. So anyway, that's uh, we did that just <laughs> for fun. Um, but we put it out there just for people to remember because we're like, man, this is, it was just a lot. We, we grew, it was great. Um, wonderful seasons. All the while um, building bridges into the community through serve projects like iHeart and, and just things we can do through parks and rec and, and schools and stuff. Building relationships with different entities in our community, from the gospel mission to uh, the the food bank, to the pastor's association, just different things in our own communities, schools and, and parks, like I said. Um, and seeing really neat things happen that way. We were praying also, you might remember this about the property that the church years ago before I was here bought 58 acres of property up north. And the idea was, hey, let's move and build and all this stuff. And we just felt like that was taking on more than we ought to do and 58 acres wasn't what we needed. So we put it up for sale. It got stuck in the courts for a while. And then it finally sold in October of 2019. So, you know, almost a year and a half ago it sold. We celebrated that, praise God, that's done. Now we can look at what, what, what we wanted to do here Here moving forward. Um, And then COVID happened, which we all knew was gonna happen, and we all predicted this and thought this is how it's gonna go. And you know, a couple weeks have flattened the curve and stuff. So anyway, um, (laughs) but but here here we are, okay? And it's it's a year later for this whole thing, and um, it's been a crazy journey. So the whole idea of what's next is well, here's the thing: we're not gonna stop doing what God asked us to do. We believe life change can happen no matter what the season. We believe life change can happen no matter what the situation in our culture is experiencing. Why? Because God is always on the throne. Because we have a a Savior who always cares. And I love how in this series, even Jesse, when he spoke a few weeks back, talked about young people and and the heart for young people that we have and the tutoring that is starting up as kids go back to school in person, offering some tutoring where they can show up here and for free get help with math and English and history and all these different subjects and stuff. Um, Aaron, even last week, we did a great job talking about Discipleship, talking about the need for us to look at discipleship and continue to improve how we do it so that we're not just gathering on a Sunday, having a great experience and going home, but that you and I consider our faith throughout the week and, and what that means. And so um, it, it, it's fun to see uh, you know, some of the picture of where we're going, and it's been quite a journey, but it's an ever-changing, faith-increasing journey. And that's where, I'm just going to be transparent with you today, even when I talk about some of what I'm going to talk about in a few moments, it's stuff that I feel like is intimidating to me, except that God is bigger, except that I believe God has a mission for us. And so even as I talk about it, I just want you to know, to be totally transparent, I'm like, God, you're going to have to meet us. You're going to have to to, to show yourself faithful, because we're going to step out and continue to believe you for some pretty big things coming up. So I am excited about that. But... When I say it's an ever-changing, faith-increasing journey, that shouldn't just be true for me as a pastor or us as a church, it should challenge and create some tension in your hearts as well. How are you being challenged in your faith? How is is it increasing as time goes on? How are you being transformed by the work of God, the Holy Spirit, that the Bible talks about was sent to live inside of us, bring us conviction, steer us, work in us, that we become more like Christ as time goes on. That should happen together as a church, but it should also happen individually in your life, in the world of your marriage or in the world of your family. And I want you to think about that because it's not just as a church together. Now, Jesus reminds us of something in Mark chapter four that I believe is super important for this conversation. And starting in verse 26, it says this, Jesus is talking. He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, the stock, Then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, verse 30, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. And God, I want to stop and pray and ask whether we're sitting in a room together right now or or we're sitting online watching through a screen on a phone or a computer, that God, your spirit would work in this message to help us understand what you've designed us to be, what you've designed us to accomplish, because it's your vision that we want to accomplish. It's your plan we want to see come to pass. And so we surrender that to you and pray that what you have for us would resonate in all of our hearts together. In Jesus' name, amen. All throughout Mark chapter 4, Jesus is talking about scattering seed. When the chapter opens, he brings up, a man went out to scatter seed and some fell along the path. Some fell among rocks, some fell among shallow soil and some fell among good soil. And then he goes and describes to the disciples what he's meaning when he's saying those things. And then he moves into in Mark chapter four, verse 26. This is what the kingdom of God is like. And he uses another idea. The picture here that he paints is this, a man scatters seed on the ground. And, and then in verse 31, what is the kingdom of heaven like? It is like a mustard seed. Over and over, he's talking about seed. And for you and I, through spiritual eyes, we're not talking about you going out and buying a plot of land and scattering different kinds of seeds physically. Well, if you wanna do that, go ahead and that's great. That's not this conversation. What Jesus is saying, and we know it, is this idea of scattering seed when it comes to the kingdom is you and I living in such a way that people can see the love of God in Christ through us. It has to do with how we live. It has to do with the patience that we own. It has to do with the words we use, including the word of God in conversation with people. How are you personally scattering seed? And so Jesus throughout Mark four is talking about seed. And and I love how, yeah, at one point he throws in this idea of, of a lamp and putting it on a stand, not hiding under a bowl. And so it's kind of this brief analogy to shining light that you don't cover it up, you let it shine because that's what it's supposed to do. Then he goes right back into seed again, sowing God's word, sowing God's love into the human heart. And then in verse 27, he talks about the word challenging people. Here's the deal. It, it, scattering seed is exactly what's happening right now. I'm offering you the seed of the word of God. And it ought to bring such a challenge that, that in a moment, he, in a second here, in verse 27, he says, night and day, whether the person scattering the seed sleeps or not, the seed is doing something. And that's the picture of, you know, what's going to happen today, somewhere around 1:30 or two o'clock, the seed scatter is going to take a nap. That's what I'm going to do. Cause I'm at the age where at the end of a Sunday, I'm tired. I want to have a nap. And some of you are with me on that. Can I hear an amen from anyone? Okay. Afternoon naps, baby. I love it on a Sunday. I'm going to take a nap. The hope would be. That that whatever you do as you leave this gathering, you go out and have lunch or you go back to your home or you take a drive somewhere, you got some sort of plans, that somehow the seed that I'm scattering is, is challenging your mind. As we talk about scripture, what it does is it filters through what's going on in your heart. What are the patterns in your life that don't line up with what you read in the word of God? And so for those that are following Jesus, The challenge that's brought to you is where do you need to repent of things that don't line up with what you're reading in Scripture? A couple of days ago, you're gossiping about somebody. Well, that's not okay. God, forgive me for gossiping. I don't want to do that. A few days ago, you're you're, you're married, but you're flirting with somebody that, that is not your marriage partner. Well, that's not okay. You need to be faithful to those marriage vows. You better repent of that and deal with that. You got outbursts of anger where, where you're, you're lashing out in ways that are inappropriate for the situation and you've all of a sudden caused a foul in a relationship that you have, go deal with that. When the word of God doesn't line up with how you and I are living, it brings us to a place of needing to deal with it. Repentance is the appropriate response. Is anybody else out there as grateful as I am to a God that forgives me when I blow it? come on. I mean, we all need that. There are moments where I'm like, oh my word, I am not worthy to be a follower of Jesus, let alone a pastor, for goodness sakes. And yet I do love that my Savior forgives me as I look at my heart and go, that was not good. That wasn't right. Got to deal with that. And then it's also for those that maybe aren't followers of Christ yet, for you. I'm going to go have a nap this afternoon. If you're new to a gathering, if you're new to the Grove Church, if you're new to this whole idea of spirituality, religion, Jesus My hope would be that you leave here considering the words I'm talking about when we say there's a God that loves you so much that he sent Jesus to the cross to pay for every mistake you've ever made. Because in God's holiness and justice, a price has to be made, uh, paid for sin. And yet that's where Jesus comes in and pays that price for you and me. That it's not about having enough good works to earn your way out of it. It's not about doing all the right things to figure out life or, or contributing, you know, so many things to certain entities that make the world better. It's about you responding to God's love through Christ and inviting him to be the Lord of your life. God, I surrender. I believe you love me enough to do that. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. I want to serve you. I want to follow you. It's, it's me having a nap and you thinking about that. Jesus says that the, the, the seed scatterer might sleep, get up, but the seed's sprouting and, and growing. Again, it's, it's the word challenging people in their hearts. And then in verse 28, he talks about as, as that seed is sown, and you're considering it, something is growing up and it's producing the grain that's supposed to be produced. And so it, it pops up out of the ground, and, and then the head is formed and the kernel inside of it, so that it's becoming what it's supposed to be. It's maturing just like seed is supposed to do. And that, for, for you and me, yes, it's responding to God's word. It's responding in worship. It's responding to the work of the Holy Spirit inside of every one of us. And for those that are crossing that line of faith, it, it, it's, for us, I would say, that that's looking at, you know, what Jesus has done and actually saying, you know, I need to accept what God has done for me. I need to accept the work of Jesus in my life. It's the change that needs to happen. And then I love how In verse 29, the picture that he paints, as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts it to the sickle because the harvest has come. And that's where, man, for me, man, that's those baptism Sundays. I I love hearing the stories of of life changes that happen in in the human heart. I love seeing people go public with their faith. But the idea of, of inviting Jesus in is to realize, listen to me carefully, you are part of God's family. And you are gifted to be part of of God's church. You have gifts and abilities and talents and ways that you're supposed to be involved in the mission. And sometimes those opportunities are are ways that that we serve throughout Sundays in different volunteer teams. And and sometimes it's you serving on certain committees and, and groups in your own community. And sometimes it's just serving in your own world serving the neighbor that lives next door, serving the family member that you care about so deeply that has some needs. It's serving and loving others in ways that you and I are wired to do that. So Jesus says in verse 29, as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts it to the sickle because the harvest has come. And then he brings another one. Verse 30, again, the kingdom of heaven is like, or what is it like, or or what parable shall we use? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth, yet when planted. I can go back to 12 years ago and and believing that God had a bigger vision, that that, that we need to plant some some seeds and believe that God was gonna do something to increase. And and we did that. And we saw those great things happen. And and like I said, we hit a plateau a few years ago going, man, we've got the gathering. We got so many gatherings and and people and we're trying to figure out this property thing. And we took on a, a campus for a while. And of course, with COVID, we had to close it down six months ago, which is, it was a bummer. At the same time, though, what we're looking at is, man, look at what God has done. Look at how far we've come. But here's what I'm saying today. What's been accomplished is great. And to God be the glory always. But it's time. When we end a series called What's Next, it's time for us to understand God is bringing a new vision. God is bringing new ways for you and I to to grow, you and I to serve, you and I to reach out, you and I to make a difference in the world that we're a part of. The, 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 the mustard seed has been planted and the growth has happened. And I love how it says, and the birds of the air perch in its shade. You know what that is? Jesus isn't talking about birds and trees. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of Christ. Jesus is talking about people getting connected, people finding a safe place to perch in the shade where we've said, look, be part of the growth. We desperately want people to feel like you belong here because that's the point. We desperately want people to enjoy the community here and the safety here and the faith that hopefully is challenged all the time, just like I said a little bit ago. But here's the thing. It would be a crime to assume, hey, we did it, guys. And now now what's next? I don't know. It would be a crime because there's something more. Even as COVID hit, we continue to look for ways to reach, and we've talked about that, and not gonna get into that. But we've continued to build the bridges in the community, serve others, help people get meals, pay certain bills because people have been struggling. We've done that, but there is still more. In fact, some of you need to know that some of the plans we talked about years ago, haven't fully come to pass. See, we're not done yet. We still are looking to make a difference in lives. And so when we've talked about the sale of the property, that was in preparation to rework these facilities. Well, the property sold and we were meeting with architects and all of a sudden COVID hit and it's like everything comes to a screeching halt to a certain degree, but maybe you didn't know that behind the scenes, we have still continue to work with the architects. We've actually turned in submitted paperwork to the city months ago. And about six weeks ago, we received word back from the city with a continue, conditional use permit to build. Now, what does that mean? I mean, yeah. See, the thing is, I I, I say that, and the thing is, the the bummer for us was six weeks ago. It's like, how do we even celebrate this? It's a huge milestone, and yet here we are in the middle of a world that's like, well, nothing's happening, big deal, we got it. But I'm here to tell you that we're we're going to renovate our facility significantly to make room for people to get connected. And I'll just give you a little description of what's going to happen very briefly. We're going to get you into more detail as time goes on, but this is not going to be our main meeting space. What's going to happen, and in fact, going back to why we moved the kid's wing, partly because we had a whole wing that was huge that wasn't being used. So we renovated it for kids, but the other idea was we wanted to demo the old kid's wing. So in the next couple of months, you're actually going to see as you drive up on 47th and Grove here that that wig is going to get demoed. And we've got, like I said, we're, we're going to build a new auditorium right here. So as you walked in right up this sidewalk over here, you see the win- all the windows in that wing, that whole thing is gonna get demoed to build a new auditorium that will over double the space that we have today. This will be a chapel, there won't be a balcony in it, and we have all kinds of different uses that we have for this, but we'll, we'll end up expanding the lobby for people to gather and hang out at the point that that's all good and we're feeling great about it. But beyond that, we'll redo our parking and create space. So yes, we're gonna redo our facility. On top of that, we're gonna to continue to be a church that plants churches. And I, you could go, well, didn't you plant the homeless and the whole thing like didn't work? Yeah, but you know what? I got a bad haircut once. It doesn't mean I quit getting my haircut. <laughs> I mean, there are things that happen when like, I'm never doing that again. We're not gonna take that approach. We're not gonna live in fear. We believe we've got a great team of people. And by the way, and some of you really need to hear this, and people that attend the Grove Church are gonna be called into ministry. People are gonna lead churches all throughout our county because I believe God has put it in our hearts to be stewards. And that's one way to be stewards, not just to build some big thing of people here. I get that, that's not the end of it. But the idea of planning churches all over, that we can see great leaders rising up and being a part of this movement. Some people that you're sitting here right now, and and at some point in the next year or two or three, God is gonna say, it's your time. And we're continuing to, to, to look at what that means. And by the way, set aside resources to help make that happen. Then as we continue to make hires as a church, looking at people that aren't just gonna be hired to do what they're doing today, but people that understand that, hey, you might do this today, but down the road, you're gonna be involved in ministry. We have a plan for you to do campuses, other things. What else? Continuing to look at discipleship. How do we get better at discipling? I love our passion for young people. I love Jesse and Joy and their passion to see young people loving Jesus. See, some of you guys maybe don't know that I was a youth pastor before I was a lead pastor. And I spent six years, man, gathering young people and discipling, encouraging, helping them encounter the love of Jesus, sending them out to make a difference. Some of our best leaders were, were my youth leaders back in the day. But I love how, again, our, our, our youth pastor today has a passion to see young people learning about Jesus, loving who he is, realizing they have a purpose. They're not just here by accident. I love Aaron last week talking about, there's an epidemic of young adults that have left church at a certain point, 18, 19, 20, they're kind of, ah, this whole thing isn't my thing. That was my parents' thing. And we're looking at creating a ministry. Hunter's been part of the conversation. Aaron and Cassandra, part of the conversation. Joy and Jesse, part of the conversation. Evan, one of our tech guys, great theologian, part of the conversation. What does it look like to create a ministry for 18 to 24 so we're not losing young people as they graduate high school? discipleship for all ages more than just men more than than just those ages but for all of us it's not just about showing up on a sunday i mean i know right now we talk about zoom discipleship and so many people could roll their eyes oh zoom 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 i'm tired of zoom i'm as tired of zoom as anybody but if it's an outlet to build bridges and connect and help people walk through the journey of jesus and scripture just do it even if you don't you log in show your face and don't say a thing i don't care I'm probably going to call on you at some point, so I just scared you away now, but whatever. But how do we continue to get better at discipleship, especially as things open up and we gather in person more and more as time goes on? What does discipleship look like? Committed to better and better discipleship. And then finally, just briefly, the community outreach piece. We've done iHeart in the past, and some of you guys are aware and have been part of it. We've taken five days during the summer and said, hey, take some vacation time. And we spend all day, five days in a row out in our community, connected with schools, parks and rec, and not just in Marysville, but we've Lake Stevens, um, Arlington, Stanwood, Tulalip, Everett, all over the place, taking on serve projects just to shine God's love. We're going, hey, maybe we keep doing that, but maybe God's got something else. But we will always be committed to building bridges into our community always partnering with different entities to help shine and and share the love of Christ. And by the way, partnerships with other churches, we don't think we're the only thing in town, that's crazy. But partnerships with churches or somehow as we partner together, making a difference together, because we're on the same team. My whole point, and as, as I end this, why am I saying all this as we end this series? The reason I say it is because I believe we need to consider our legacy. And I mean that for you, as a person, maybe as a husband, as a wife, as a brother, as a sister, as a family member, as a son or daughter. I mean that in the place that you work. And I really mean that because I don't just believe we show up at a job and go home. But I mean that as a church, what does it look like for you and I to live a legacy? And I don't want the legacy to be, uh, remember Nick? Like I, people forget my name, great. Call me Nate, call me Rick. I don't care, hey, you. Sometimes people go, what what am I supposed to call you? Pastor, don't worry about it. But honestly, it's not me, it's not not even the Grove Church. It's the legacy of wanting people to fall in love with Jesus Christ. The sacrifice he made for people. The hope he brings every single day, even as I talked about a couple weeks ago, in a world that feels incredibly dark, we have the light. We have the seed we're supposed to scatter. And so for you and I, what kind of legacy are we going to leave? And just very briefly, it's going to require sacrifice from all of us. It means thinking about how are you wired and what gifts do you bring to the table to be part of this movement together? And it includes the resource conversation, finances and giving. We talk about, Hey, thanks for giving. We appreciate it. And I know it gets weird in church. I get that, especially if this is your first time. You're like, yeah, I talked about money in that church thing. I get it. I I feel as uncomfortable as much as anybody sometimes. But I also am reminded that the work of God has always been provided for by the people of God. That's the way God's always designed it. And so considering what does it look like for you and I to take part in this, that our legacy continues to be stewarding the great commission in our time. And it's all of us. So I want us to think about it. And I'm asking you to be prayerful about it. I end with this on the video a little bit ago, it talked about a guy named Mark Batterson and some of you guys might already know his story and I've got to meet him and and, and spend a little bit of time with him and I don't know him super well. And he probably doesn't know my name at all, but Mark Batterson honestly has been one of my favorite authors the last few years. And what I love is he felt this burden in his heart to plant a church in Washington, DC and Washington, DC is a rough place, maybe more so today than ever. But years ago, he felt this burden, and where he started was prayer. And he, just, he literally just began to walk around Washington, D.C. praying. He would take a certain path and pray over and over. And as he felt like he had a certain location and inquired about it and certain doors would close, and then he saw God doing miracles to open doors. And, and I'm trying to keep this short, but they've seen national community church grow significantly and have great influence significantly. And one of their stories is about a coffee shop called Ebenezer's, that was actually just a dilapidated a place that people were living, homeless people were living, and there were drug addicts that, that were living there and squatting in it. And they felt like that was where they were supposed to be. And, and they just began to circle it in prayer, walk around it and pray as they walked the city and pray. And, and little by little, they saw certain miracles happen. The, the value of the property, it was right by the Capitol. You can imagine how expensive property would be there. They, they, they looked at the price. We can't do that. And he's like, God, what are you doing? It's on my heart, but there, there's no way that's millions and millions of dollars. And they began to pray and they began to meet with the owner of the property. And again, I'll keep the story short. And he shares it in one of his books in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. But, um, God did a miracle that they got the property at a crazy reduced rate and they did the whole thing into a coffee shop that was there to shine the light. And it's called Ebenezer's because actually you look at scripture, there's a story that, that means Ebenezer means hitherto has the Lord helped us. And I love the influence of a place like national community church in a city like Washington, DC, but I don't live there. And as far as I know, you don't live there either. And so what does it look like for you and I to carry a vision? And what I'm asking you to do is pray. Would you pray with us? God, what does it look like for us together to make a difference in our world as a church, but also the places you drive, the places you live, where you go grocery shopping, where you head off to work, all those things I've talked about before, what does it look like for you to make a difference? where you're at and what does it look like for us together to continue to move forward, making a difference in our world? Because God is not done. His hope still rises in hearts, amen? Forgiveness is still available, amen? I know we're wearing masks, I know this is all a challenge, but are you guys with me today? I just wanna ask you, would you be prayerful about where we're going? Because as time goes on, it's gonna get more and more specific. And you're gonna hear more and more about the details of the facility, the details of planning campuses, the details of discipleship, and the details of reaching out into our world. Jesus, I pray for your work in all of our hearts. That God, we're not done because things could feel dark. We're not gonna be totally thrown because something hit a year ago and we were all kind of going, what in the world? But our prayer as always has been when it seems like we're losing how do we win? And for us today it's how do we prepare as things continue to open up and and and, and look better and better and, and again prayerfully so what does it look like for us to be stewards not sitting back waiting? but believing and taking steps of faith, watching you meet us. That I'm growing as a pastor in this journey too, but my prayers is it's not just me. My prayers is not just a staff. My prayer is that it's all of us looking at how we're being transformed by your spirit and how we're being challenged to step out in faith, individually, in marriages, in families, in neighborhoods, in workplaces, uh, at grocery stores, whatever it might be, how are we scattering the seed we're called to scatter, to make a difference in the world we're called to make a difference in as stewards of the great commission. God, whether we're sitting in this room, whether we're sitting in the living room right now sipping a cup of coffee, wherever we might be, God, I pray for your spirit to work in us, that we're on this journey together, committed to stepping out in faith, watching you guide what's next in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.